0: We have a rule book. It's 331 and we have a rule book. I, I don't mean to alarm you, but we have rules and we will be enforcing them and gaming them to the fullest extent of the law. Our honorable at guest what cost, judge. At what cost? At, at, who knows? Who knows at what cost? Because some of these rules are quite good. Actually, I'm I'm I know last episode. I was not a very happy camper. Um, I'm still not extremely happy um but i'm liking the roadblocks so far i'll put it that yes. way it's 331 here we are things are okay right Yes, guys. things are that's not horrible from the information so far right
1: yeah no other, other than the house currently being on fire joe no like the yeah yeah i, the, I mean the, the, the rules are good i'm pl- trying I, to appeal to my inner german
0: like a hundred percent I am so I'm trying happening? to it was so nice being the the curmudgeon last week that I'm just trying to butter you up, keep you coping, keep you happy, you know well, at least you know the rule books out there at least you have something to you know chew on as the house inevitably is torched behind you
1: yeah, I will say there's someone with litigious spirit at work because we were mulling over these oh, rules yeah. with ten ten p m brain and we had some trouble trying to a Find out about the spirit of the rule and then also the specific mechanism uh as it pertains to the point distribution but i'll i will i will nerd out probably over the weekend my week's pretty stacked, but like maybe I'll get some time over the weekend to like go through it and uh see if if everything seems above board but like on the on first view, it seems m- much more coherent. In the yep. specific rules for the competition, it's um, true. Previously, I think they needed to include way more stuff just for like eligibility and travel and uh, you know <clears throat> all the the complications that come with the franchise agreement and whatnot. Um, yep. Of course, this is decomplicated de- by the new structure, uh, and I also think and hope that they kind of learned their lesson from last year. Um, by the mere fact that we have a rule book that we can now crowdsource improvements on, I kind oh, of feel like there's already... <laughs> we,
0: we already... We already have a Discord channel yes. full, of, full of rules lawyers getting ready to absolutely nitpick, litigate, collaborate, all the eights against... Big eSport. Yeah. That is, face it. Yeah. Um, that is definitely something that we're going to be doing and sending uh, non-official feedback. We'll probably just be shouting and shaking our fists at the at the heavens. But uh, that is a thing. If you want to participate, join the Discord. Continue.
1: Yeah. So in, in that term, like I'm positively surprised. What I'm also positively surprised about, about the announcement that we got was um, the inclusion of crowdfunding. A, True. Yep. They say like Overwatch World Cup, which implies it's once again virtual items. Correct. Um, so that's exciting, but yeah. I, I guess we'll talk about it eventually in detail. Uh, 100%. Cause there's, we, will, we will unpack all that. There's one
0: more pressing thing. The there is. We, we have some eligible patrons that can participate in the Tactical Crouch help us run a show league um that's not a real thing that's not happening just trying to be funny and failing uh but our eligible patron producers that are capable of participating uh are battle cry brief Island, b and bronze Buhao, lulshin rexane Volomel and sugar high and our youtube members imdrw brother adam l ice M, Jell, Fire Emlin, six and ak i think they'll hit top four that's just my opinion i think they're better than profit who is now maybe being a coach who knows yes we do have rules we do have owcs news but we also sadly do have layoffs uh with overwatch esports being kind of dissolved a lot of people don't have jobs currently um and that kind of hit the the the, the docket to kind of start the week um all the observers are now lft um funnily enough like weirdly enough not even funnily enough weirdly enough somebody like zoe mr x all, like, the former, like, full-time heads of Overwatch esports are also looking for work now. Um, that's Um It's a sad day to see somebody like Zoe leave Blizzard, who has been there forever, has worked on a number of different esports, was there at the beginning of Overwatch prior to the League, doing a lot of hosting, working alongside Blizzard to, I would imagine, kind of launch this stuff. Um Was this... How
2: much of this was surprising to you?
1: Okay, so... <clears throat> that there would be large-scale layoffs made absolute sense. And I, I think right. I was a little surprised how late some of those came. Right. Um, as much as it sucks to say, but I think I'm looking at the production and um, specifically the mm-hmm. observing team, which now should fall upon the third-party tournament organizers that were chosen, right?
0: True. It um, should, but that also I mean, it, admittedly, that'll probably be at a pay cut and a contract and not yes, full-time employment, right? That,
1: that is, sadly, the, uh, the other side of it, because as yeah. we talked about previously, the rates were cut in half. I, I saw someone talk about the CDL uh or COD CODLeak. Was it COD League? No, it was NACL. Uh, um NACL. L- a- N-A-C-L okay. Over, uh, that's a riot. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> but their day rates, like going from. Uh, so they were let go, and their day rates right. were cut from, I think, 650 to 200, which makes it not a livable wage, right? Yeah. So yeah. I hope it doesn't dip to those levels, but massive cuts in their rates might be expected. Yeah. Um, another thing is that with the involvement of EE, uh, Esports Engine, one has to assume that it will still be produced out of uh, their studio in Los Angeles, which implies a cost of living if you, if you cannot do yeah. the production remotely, which also goes for casters, by the way. So... Um, that said, a lot of the folks that are were let go are, also have spouses and like, you know, have entrenched in the area. And yep. unfortunately that commands a higher monetary amount in order to be livable just because of the cost of living in the area is astronomically stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Um so what really surprised me and what I I can almost agree, Team 4 is big pissed on is that Mr. X, but especially Zoe, were let yeah. go. Um, I think it is very reductive to think of them as only esports personnel. Because yeah. if you go, they were full time at Blizzard, right? They were full time at Blizzard. And if you go through the recent announcements that this team did, a lot of the communication was facilitated
0: by these two. Yeah. So, um, in a way, it felt like they were like the like Team Four is like liaison to the community, right. in some ways.
1: In some ways, especially assisting in, um, what one ha- would have to say in in a less charismatic performance, uh, in comparison to Jeff, right? Like they needed no. some help in order to get up to speed. I don't think they have yet, and the the product that they were able to put out in order to communicate with the community was just better by. By the effect of, especially Zoe being there, but Matt also being on on broadcast with them, just go through the recent live streams of the deaf chats and whatnot. One of those two yeah. will be in there, okay? Yep. Yeah. Um, and to me, it always seemed like almost a no-brainer, and maybe they did. Maybe maybe that that offer was just never publicly talked about, even though I I'm not sure if the messaging would go that way then. But to me, like Zoe was always a shoo-in going into like becoming one of the faces of uh, Blizzard going forward, just because of yeah. the famili- fami- familiarity of the, uh, her communication chops, of her stage presence. She was on, Blizzcon- on the BlizzCon stage as well, the first time back, for Christ's sake, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think for many, the- she was the face, the, m- the most prev- prevalent face on- of Overwatch generally speaking, over the years. And uh, one that remains constant throughout this game's life cycle, right? So to see her disconnected, because once again, like it it will depend on uh, the future of how it goes and how the casting rates go. But with freelancing comes the opportunity to also go into different scenes. And one might imagine that those might be more attractive, depending on what kind of offers come come along, right? And to lose such a face and such a communicator is insane. It's an insane it decision. Suck. I think um, Adam Apicella, who is yes, the former yep. co-founder of uh, Esports Engine, um, who then sold out to, to uh, EFG as well, and therefore is currently, I believe, on a non-compete, said that he's flabbergasted by their decision to let either of those guys go, right? Now, one also has to understand that um, Mr. X, Matt, is not just, like, the broadcast guy. I think that was something that was known in the community, uh, that he did a bunch of, like, production and, uh, you know, um, formatting and all of that behind the scenes. Uh, And to lose (laughs) that is also a... Huge loss, right? Um also just like such a such like I feel like he must have been part of just by virtue of being the duel with Uber and like probably being the casting duo over the lifetime of Overwatch esports, he must have cast a ridiculous amount of uh matches. Oh yeah. Right? So yeah, I feel like Overwatch Esports, if those guys go elsewhere, which they very well might or might force to be, sure, just lost a lot of its soul in uh, in what it could be. Now, it could be the case that it could be hired back. And I know a lot of Reddit libertarians love to say, oh, this was like, you know, the, oh, the, do, you, do you not know how outsourcing works? Uh, this is just like business. Working and whatnot, I think there are more effective ways to structure those deals, where they still can be part of the broadcast experience, even under yeah. uh, EFG, and still be effective communicators for the for Blizzard Entertainment going forward.
0: Was it Adam Apicello that basically was like, "I don't know how you let these people go and not just use them across all IPs to be like effective communicators to like yeah. and liaison I'm, I'm to the I'm public"? I'm gonna be
1: honest; they have exactly one good communicator left in that company, and that's Chris Matson, who just recently come back. Right. Everyone yeah. else is just like minus in the negative and, region on the charisma stat,
0: and that's, and that's and that's and yeah I mean for the most part Maybe there's not Jerry like Moist a Jeff well, type character I would say, sure like not not a terrible one but like having somebody whose job it is in-house to do those communications I've seen some of those those dev live chats for Diablo I've I know how WoW works they could use somebody to kind of get a little bit of personality to get the devs talking it's not as robotic and it and it provides a better experience to the you know to the end user not to get real jargony um and and keeping either of them if not both of them would have enhanced a lot of those properties quite a bit um i i my 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 brain starts to wonder if this was not just like a microsoft like who is not necessarily like uh, on the back of like what was it like 1900 blizzard employees being laid off like is this not like an installation of like microsoft looking at the books and just slashing everything that isn't like mandatory i mean yeah
1: that. One, one
0: thing we have to...
1: I mean, I'm not sure how well-informed they are on um, on who's important and who's not. Okay. Um, I don't also know who the 12 folks were that were retained. Something crucial also to consider here is it wasn't just the Overwatch department that was slashed. The entire right. Activision Blizzard D- eSports department was slashed. Correct. O- of the 72 employees... 60 were let go. So there's 12 surviving members. The only ones that I currently know of is um, Daniel Tsai, who's the old general manager of Call of Duty League um, that like retained like his position, I think. Okay. And by the way, I have no idea where the CDL goes from here considering they're in the middle of the season. They just finished their first major and right, now they yeah. do not have an observing team either. Right? Presumably there will be contract offers made. Uh, by the way, how do you not include that into the, in the layoff? Yeah, that that's actually fucked. Um, maybe there's some Californian law where that because that's another part of the the equation is, like you by California law, I don't think you can offer them just contractor roles if it's the very same role that you're offering to them. Right? Uh. So there's there's some shenanigans there, but like solutions would have to be provided in order for those folks to not move on or to have some security and not right. go through this terror. Um, yeah, I think, like, the only three employees that I know is, uh, I think, Bailey said yep. uh, that she's still along. Uh, I think Sean Miller is still along and Daniel says is still along. Th- those are the three I know of, right? Um, <clears throat> so no idea who the other people are uh, on that team. Um, but, yeah, like, there there is a strong feeling I have that folks will at least be offered by these production companies, either EE or um, FACEIT uh, to... Um, I wonder if it's face it actually, or if it's just EFG proper for uh, Europe. I'm not entirely sure. But <clears throat> offered to, uh, to do contract work there. Now, we're looking at the calendar. I think the Overwatch Championship Series covers like six months of the year. Um, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, the uh, and we've already heard the first murmurings that casting rates, like the the the, the casters are piping up again in their contra- uh, contract negotiations. I think what we will real realistically see is a lot of departures, um, and to just forced departures based on monetary cuts that no longer make it feasible to uh, live based on that salary. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> or folks just doing a lot of multi-deals that will severely co- impact the quality that they will be able to bring to the game. Because if we're being honest, there's no slight to the to the casters. This is just like what the industry forces you to do in order to be able to survive. But if you're a multi-game caster, you can logically not spend your time researching and practicing the lining and understanding the game as well as you could if you were just a one-game Andy, right? So, yeah. Um, going forward, necessarily, especially for play by uh, for color commentators, the level of uh, casting will necessarily drop if they have to do multi game in order to stay in here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, all of that it did, relocation is a question. If you, if folks can even do that, I'm looking at the especially the European circuit. I'm not sure where it's going to be produced from. I'm not sure if we're going back to um, bedroom casting. I don't think yeah. that was necessarily the worst for like low-stakes games. Um, honestly, if, if I'm thinking what would I rather do, have people in a, in a studio that might not be attuned to Overwatch or experts that have been with this scene for years out of their bedroom, yep. I know which option I'm choosing. It's definitely the second one. Um, that
0: would be the most salient and- option um i i will i will reserve my opinion on that until we see the casting lineup for stage one i'll put it that way
1: yeah what weirds me out a little bit is that they waited this long because presumably this i mean i guess it makes some sense but like it puts talent in a weird position where they presumably only have like what six weeks now to negotiate and like go back and um they will have to find out Plan Bs as well. Yep. I, I, I think for Asia, this is mostly locked in. Uh, at least, like, folks have talked about, like, from the from the staff have talked to me okay. about being pretty far along. Um. So, I think they they necessarily have to be a little bit quicker. That thing is <laughs> happening in like two weeks, right? Yeah. I'm not sure if they're going to start broadcasting from day one though. Uh there's always like something in me where I'm thinking should you really broadcast the five hundred twelve uh, you know, big bracket where no yeah, single not. big like every single game will just be a stomp if you do your bracket correctly. Which you presumably yeah. should, because there would be nothing ver- worse than seeding two of the best teams in an early five hundred twelve team bracket. And assuring that they won't be in in the tournaments because it's similar elimination, right? Like it would be an, an absolute nightmare for that to happen. Yeah. So I'm I'm presuming there's some uh prior seeding shenanigans going on, uh, which I think absolutely should happen. At your own discretion, you should seed the bracket. <laughs> Definitely do not randomize it under any any cost, okay? Um
2: but yeah, it's it's uh
1: it's rough i think it's also rough because this has sort of kicked out kicked off like a a wave of just thinking out loud what where esports is if esports can be a viable career path going forward yeah thinking of folks that are currently sitting in degrees of esports management and whatnot and um
2: that must feel awful but
1: I I feel like I catch the emotion of that. I I just don't quite believe it. And that might be big hope, but I feel like it's informed of... I, I've been around for a little bit in esports. I was around for the 2008 following year uh, financial crisis-induced turndown in... Uh, Overwatch Esports... Uh, sorry, in, in Esports at large as well. It wasn't hmm. a fun time to work in. But I feel like it's it's a constant circle of improvements. Our baseline, even at the reduction, is probably something that we thought would have been great during that time. Uh, even though there were some ridiculous things going on as well there. Sure. Um, and I just believe in the core com- concept of people wanting to see competition yep. and things move, moving virtually. And for I, I think if you want to get very abstract, in the more distant future, we get, we'll get to a point where we will probably figure out that they are f- more fun games to be played um, with athletic ability... Thinking of VR games, thinking of sure. ways to make it bring the athleticism towards virtual realities, um, increase injury, uh, decrease injury significantly in those games, and sort of uh, celebrate those in virtual environments as well as that, mm. as our virtual consumption increases. So I'm long. On esports, I'm just not sure how quickly these innovations can come. And yeah. it's definitely not something that like should inform your short term decisions making. Because what's really mattering right now is can you pay the bills for the next three years? And mm-hmm. there, I'm much more pe- pessimistic.
0: Um, yeah, 100%. I don't think, the, I, I, I think it was Jacob Wolf that had uh, a, a pretty um, gloomy tweet regarding the viability of, of a career in esports um i think i've been i think there has been a line of safety that you can walk with in regards to having multiple arms to your career whether that be content creation whether that be streaming whether that be you know multi-game maybe doing all of the above right like some of the most successful casters at the moment especially even in our space are doing multiple things all at once, right? Um, I think for the foreseeable future, I would agree with Jacob in the sense that um, being a an complete and utter expert within one eSport um, and solely kind of doing that is probably on its way out um, within, you know, for the foreseeable future. I, I don't think that's a viable option. Um, however, I do think there is for the, and this is this is a pretty high bar to hit, but for the, like, most competitive uh you know but whether it be caster or producer or content creator i think you can um i think the future is kind of multi-gaming um but also having the brand that we've all uh waxed lyrically about for forever that you know you have to have and you have to grow your brand, and you gotta you gotta put out content and you gotta do multiple games and it's like This is stuff that we've talked about and has to be done.
1: Yes. So, yeah, it sounds like a... Like the monetization of everything sounds awful, but I really... I think what folks really just crave is authenticity and character attached to some form of excellence. You want to be informed by... Like, you want to get an idea what the guy that's very good at clicking heads is like. Right? right. And their Murph feeds does not inform how that's happening. It does not inform any call to action as to, you know, where, where you should apply your money, for instance, right? That right. happens on personal streams. Um, yep. So, like, there's some bug in the human code, right, where if you look at a group of people... Like achieving some incredible feat together, and you just see them on stage. You, there's a distance that does not make you open your pocket in this demographic. Um, while watching people slam desks and snort G fuel, yeah. uh, might, right? For no yeah. reason. Maybe it's self expression and being part of something, getting your, uh, your submission to show up on a large screen and maybe there are innovations to be made there. Maybe it's about the personality really. But <clears throat> I think in terms of aligning incentive structures, there are many good things in this system that are coming forth that unfortunately have to happen. Which yeah. I think here's here's the I think it's fine to be just a player if you're one of the best players in the world. I think that in itself has enough draw and enough of a fan base in order for you to meaningfully contribute towards a brand, right? Yep. If you're outside the top 10% of the players that you're competing against at the highest level, you probably should be forced to stream in some capacity. And unfortunately, there were no contract structures in the past, even though there were stipulations and contracts in the Overwatch League that saw people have streaming hours, folks were not incentivized to make those profitable for themselves and build a brand, but just, you know, stream 20 just hours, like shut the fuck up, camera off, and then I get my free 25K, right? Yep. That's not the way to go. So I think there's a world where. And that, those are the numbers that are being relayed to me right now about organizations willing to look at Overwatch. Is yep. the salaries offered are not livable wages by themselves? Okay, even for even if you substitute like it, have the price pools come in as well, it will not be livable for anyone outside the top four. Right? Yeah. Um. I think the the um. We, we know the price pools now. We do not Would know the price pools of the major and whatnot. But like, yeah, meaningfully, like if you do not make the major, that's a big cut on your ability to sure. uh, to uh, make a living off that. So where do you get the money from? Well, you probably have to produce some content in order to monetize yourself, build a brand, and yep. bring some value That ultimately is the core part of the business, which is entertainment, right? Now, I will also say this is a dangerous game for organizations because as players build their brands and those folks get get some kind of monetary incentive here, it's not like the best thing that could happen is that they tie their entire brand to the eSports and they remain in the system, but if they become independent because of that income, the biggest streamers and whatnot, they might not necessarily need the team, right? Yeah. At some level of, uh, of organization, which would probably still require a management team behind them. Now, this is, like, in Overwatch, is unlikely to happen unless we get, like, a new phenomenon in streaming from that, um, like XQC was, mm-hmm. but yeah. Generally speaking, like it it should probably be feasible to make a couple of hundred bucks if you're streaming all the content, um, that you're producing, like playing ranked, like even no. maybe scrimming your scr- streaming your scrims, um, and coming up with fun ideas, fun narratives, and also giving the players an idea what actually generates a buzz, right? Which they previously had no idea on, right? And that increases competence towards the desired product across the board. So in that regard, I actually kind of like that system, even though it really sucks that there's very little security. And it does absolutely put a bias on folks that have a stronger financial background in order to make this feasible. Um. so
2: bottom line being it's going to be rough going forward yep. there are there are
1: certain limitations to the ideas that I just uh, expressed namely that the big elephant in the room is uh, the Saudi World Cup potentially picking up Overwatch and then in the mid-season providing a large injection of capital via price money, potentially. Um, and also creating a sort of quasi-market that is not part of, of the Overwatch Championship Series, potentially, not sure. Um, and that could change a lot about what I just said, especially about the figures sure. uh, that would be offered.
0: Um. I mean look, if we're if we're to put our ear to the ground and we have somebody like Richard Lewis talking about how this supposed Saudi Esports World Cup is going to possibly be stipending teams to sign other esports talent to lock in participation in this Esports World Cup. That's big. Period the end. Do I like it? Oh. No. But if that is going to happen, that will be attractive Right, if if I don't have to pay for a team, why wouldn't I? Right, like especially if and again, odds
2: are Overwatch is likely to be there. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: So do with that what you may.
1: Yeah. This is this is definitely like I think this is also going to cause some hard questions for those that were just laid off. Yep. Presumably, those folks will also be desired, right? And then hard calls will be have to be made um, in that regard, right? So we'll yep. see how that goes. I reserve judgment for now, and we'll we'll see how that uh, transpires. But it's it's rough, and uh, yeah, like I I think especially guys like. Matt and Zoe—they are well connected enough. They're very visible. Their skill yep. set is very obvious. They're incredibly talented. I'm not worried for them.
0: They will be okay. It's it, it's definitely like you know concerning, and you don't want to lose that kind of stability. But I, I you know, if there is anybody to be able to kind of like land on their feet and maybe even grow from this, they definitely have the world at their at their fingertips for sure.
1: I'm I'm much more and- concerned about all the production staff. Um, including yep. s- like production there's some transferable uh, transferable sk- skills there I imagine there that is. there's limited transferable skills in observing even though there, I guess there could be some drone stuff <laughs> I'm not
0: sure uh, how that works I'll, but... I'll, I'll take you one farther it's there is transferable skills I think they could definitely make moves to exit Sports if they wanted to however it is worrisome when you also see on the opposite side of the pond Um, Within Riot Games, a lot of their production staff being laid off, namely the LEC getting slashed, NALCS getting slashed. I don't know if you've taken a look at some of their uh, proposed changes to the NA League uh, broadcast, but that's a bit of a shit show. Um, A a lot of the problem that I foresee is that there's a ton of production talent out there and not enough things to produce as it stands currently. There's not enough of a resource pool to fund that many uh people looking for jobs so we will lose talent 100 percent. yeah either to being fed up with the system or actually just for a lack of capital
1: to pay these people and in 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 truth like the fact that efg controls everything also provides maybe lower barriers for those guys to just get their foot in the door with EFG that's you know organizing a bunch of other eSports events around okay. the industry. So maybe that will make it easier for them to multicast. Um, I think possibly. For instance, I do think Rocket League is wide label produced by EFG, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. okay. So I'm thinking like for instance, someone like Lemon
0: already has a foot in the door there. Could, right, right. Like the the. Are you kind of like is Just running short. this like how ESL used to do it, where they would have like their talent team and they would just move them around. Mm, no. Am I understanding? No, that I don't. Okay. I
1: don't think there will ever be a permanent casting talent. They realize that there certain specialization is required. Um, I think from the very early years they kind of realized that this is probably better if it's a. Competitive um, yeah. industry, where it's a talent industry with contractors that have to fight each other. I I hope the camaraderie around rates stays the same while everyone competes on merits of broadcasting talent, or rather output what they bring, what they how they excite, not necessarily yeah. that they take less um, in terms of their day rate. And um, even though. It, it is a viable way to compete. Unfortunately, uh, it's just not a way to produce the best product. For being honest, and I hope totally. that this is accurately priced in. Even though I realize that there are very few good methods as to you know ascertain who's worth it and who's who isn't. It's very challenging, right? Um. <clears throat> I will say once again, like this is the problem. Really, is, is like this is once again a year where Overwatch esports has to prove itself, and you probably want all those guys to come along in order to get the maximum potential out of it. Yep, it's just a tough ask after Overwatch League to expect everyone to shell out in order to give this a, a chance in hell to.
0: Back yeah, how many it. how much good faith do you have left with the talent that has worked this? Obviously, there are a ton of passionate folks that you know just lost their jobs. I can't imagine that they're uh, particularly happy uh, about you know how this game has uh, look i'm I'm transpired. also I'm also
1: totally open to the op- possibility that the selection of the overwatch league casting was not the best it could have been. okay. As much as San Francisco Shock was a great team in Season 2, they needed to switch it up in order to win Season 3. Sure. And in the same sense, improvements are always possible. Now, endearment of the audience has to be factored in and all of that. Um, I think the product will feel very different going forward, especially under the production of EFG. I think a lot of folks will be disgruntled. Uh, oh, with yeah. the, the way they run the tone of their broadcast and or generally tend to. Maybe they will align here, even though I couldn't really imagine it because they're running it <laughs> through their platforms. Um, right. And with that come new demands. And we have folks that have worked that exact system, namely Uber, for instance, yeah, that seem like a shoe-in into uh, that type of broadcasting. But generally speaking, yeah, it will require different storytellers for a different system in order to bring the most out of it. And I, I, I think there's also a mild aspect to say we also have to align more with the new I mean, fan base that we're trying to fan base accrue, right? Fan base and tone and really target message um, that's going forward. I think necessarily the selection ha- will have to change here, just because I also anticipate by the moves um, to be announced, especially around the Saudi World Cup, for a lot of the Overwatch audience, as I perceive it, to be disgruntled, right? Yep. So we'll see. Like I think a lot has to move. You 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 cannot run the same system back
0: that's the thing no and and i think we have been adamant about that on this show that it we cannot do the same thing we just did um and things truly have to change and we need some experimentation some of which um have already been announced through this website and rules book yeah which we'll get into but
1: yeah it's it's you i think the goal shouldn't be to do the same thing, just less expensive, in order to be profitable. Yeah, yeah. It should actually be to still invest. reinvent it. And yes. if, we're, if, if the patch notes that were leaked are anything to go by, this is still very much a game that wants to change itself and find itself. And yep. that should also be the goal of this eSport, once again. Like, um, there, was some, there, there, was a, there was a spark there in 2016, of an IP that resonated, they try to recapture that magic. And it, and as much as the main game tries to do that, the esports has to. Right. Yep. And agreed. There there is a possibility, even though I find it slim, especially after like going against this fatigue and against the prejudice that Overwatch Esports had going against it for the last couple of years. Um, where the label of Blizzard just did no service to the esports at all, and the product was actually probably highly underrated because people were not even going to check out the stream. Right. Um, it sort of has a new opportunity here. It does. And that, especially I'm thinking of the European audience specifically, And it has an opportunity to bring in new organizations that bring their own fan bases with different appetites than a localized, like, sports Andy might. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it will be very different content. It will be... I assume it will be much more edgy um, in terms of, you know, the G2 type of...
0: Sure, it's it's got a little bit more banter. You're poking, you're prodding. You know, it's, it's what... Season one had a, a schmidge of before teams put a, a, a stop to that pretty quickly. Um, I would re, I would expect a return to that, if not, maybe even a little increased. We'll see. We will have to see. That one is kind of up in the air, but it is face it, it is ESL. They're a little bit more adult than us trying to be on Disney XD. You know, it's uh, it's it's different. Um, and that's again probably for the better because yeah, you're, that's your are you're. you're that's committing to a fan base that wants to watch and not just celebrate some weird sense of tribalism. Um, it, 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 it will be different. Um, and you talk about, you know, teams coming back and organizations, um, you know, potentially maybe checking our esport out for the first time, maybe not the first time. Um, one of the big things that we talked about last show was the prize pool, which we do have an announcement for. Um, Overwatch obviously OWCS put out a, a, a brand new website with a bunch of details one of which was the prize pool currently as it stands now disregarding any crowdfunding which was announced details of that on that will be announced at a later date however the prize pool for both NA and EMEA separately will be around 300,000 USD now first question to you is that if you, you know, hello, Sasha Heinisch, CEO of TeamSolid.com.net backslash ORG. Are you enticed to buy 300,000 in terms of prize pool for the year? Is that something that you the think to be The only thing I
1: care about in that announcement is the um the <laughs> the viewership incentives, right? Like the crowdfunding sure. aspect and how that yeah. relates and what kind of viewership incentives we can expect. If I can potentially get my brand, like that, probably Agreed. is not going to happen. But like a representation of my brand into the game, that at would large, be fantastic. Um, that those those things I'm looking at here, the price pool of that particular thing does not entice me. But once again, I also don't know the price pool of the majors yet, and what kind of true um, profit share there will be with my organization uh, based on the viewership. Uh, incentives, or rather the, the crowdfunding aspect. Right. So, once again, like th- this is a little higher than I expected for the just the price pool of the regular stages. But what's really, and I half expected it considering the um, Overwatch World Cup sort of trial, they usually, sure. usually when they do something in advance, it telegraphs something they will do eventually. That has been true. Sure. throughout the entire history of Overwatch League. And um, it's once again true here that I I think like the the World Cup was also sort of trialing how that would go. And if the World Cup is anything to go... uh, Okay. A, I believe the World Cup inherently as a product has more potential to generate sales. Sure, sure. I think the particular offer that they had was not sufficient like just one colored skin okay so you think the product could have been better yes and i think like the okay. product could could be better with the same level of effort now I'm, I'm looking at um specifically like you know guns gun skins and and that sure. type of stuff sure. going forward which which is something that team four is actively trying to experiment with right right and i assume the effort put into a gun skin is much lower than that of a full skin because it it, it would contain the gun skin and right. the entire skin so i assume the gun skin would be uh less work and to go into a bit, little bit more customization that is a little bit more granular than overwatch world cup right like maybe sure, sure. more like country you know, yeah, that in itself already would make all the difference. I think in the in the attractiveness of um, the particular offer for Overwatch World Cup. When we're looking at the prize pool breakdown, uh, sorry, the the Overwatch uh, Championship Series and what they could offer there, it gets a little tricky because you probably do not want to have organizations in as they're not a constant in your game going forward. Like you do not have right. a franchise agreement. So it probably would have to be very dope skins that really do not have a lot to do with the particular teams. But right. I would at, may, at least make it thematic towards a particular season. I would sure maybe have seasons under a particular banner or name, and would that make those recognizable as such. I also I always... Think... like The way CS did it was... Uh-huh with like signatures and like yeah you know great way to tie in or like, layer you know the stuff like that the, the stickers specifically um is an interesting concept where it's just a signature of the players right and then you can apply right. it and then scratch it off and of course there's monetary um trade value attached to that which changes the dynamic very heavily right um but at the same time, they're, they're, they also had a system where when you watch the Major, the guns drop and they will have particular rounds and players right. assigned to them in order to have some connection to a play or something like this, right? 100%. So stuff like this would be cool to just have a little bit more granularity in the meaning of the skin. Maybe there could be some auto-generation aspect. Maybe there could could be more cool features sure. Um, that kind of relate to the eSport even though you would have to do it without the hindsight, not about anything that particularly happened but like maybe capturing the year's theme so to speak in order to have some level of relation to the actual um, competition, because I do believe you want to much more actively tie in the average competitive player into the esports experience, because now the the barriers have seemingly, even though you could argue that Path to Pro was really not that different, but I feel like in some, in some semantic cognitive way, it feels like now it's easier to get into the pro circuit than it previously was, even though I don't think that's practically true, but it sure theoretically is. And therefore, like, the transition to signing up to face it, a lot of people are signed up to face it in Counter-Strike, right? So removing that barrier, yeah. being able to compete in tournaments and potentially at the highest level is something that might get some folks dreaming and actively looking at improvement and looking at and, like, investing and really getting a feel for how far away they are from the top pros because I think that is something that really severely lacked behind in Overwatch the whole connection between uh, the average ranked player's experience and
0: how that relates to esports and the meta in some way definitely and I think that being facilitated on Faceit definitely can help um, more users try to be interested and pursue possibly climbing up the open circuit and, and that being very fun. Um, but regardless of what the crowdfunding, what the crowdsourcing looks at, what we know right now is that there's 300,000 USD to compete with, with potentially, not potentially, but like guaranteed there's going to be more money at the major and there's going to be more money right. when it comes to the crowdfunding. Is the information my, my concern is, is there enough information prior to February 29th, which is our stage one roster lock, for organizations to be interested? Look, that, that's the
2: thing is,
1: I think way more has been communicated to organizations, endemic organizations, than one might believe, right? Like, in terms okay. of not just Overwatch, maybe not even. Overwatch CS, um, but the entire Overwatch ecosystem, maybe even more so on the Saudi World Cup side, and that just might be enough to drag it along and to make people look at the system wholesale. Now, without like that system in itself would not entice me whatsoever as as an org owner. Like I would look at the price pools, I would look at what my other teams. playing at. I would classify this as a tier 3 esports at best. Yeah. yeah, And would consider it as such. Now, a potential selection of Overwatch as one of the, sorry, World Cup teams, if you're unencumbered by the implications, would definitely make you think differently about those particular games. Right? So... And wanting to have a representation there. So... And then if you're already co- competing there, maybe you might just look at the, the entire thing and maybe you're bringing your base along and maybe that means like, everyone gets more interested and oh, is still a very well-frequented game globally. So maybe there is a core audience there that you can appeal to and maybe you then can buy into it. I think that's right. a much more bet- like, streamlined way to making you as an org owner believe, especially if you hear the salaries are, you know, bare bones. But, or expectations of the players as well. Sure, yeah. Um, I think... Uh, not, let me not talk about, like, what I heard Toronto is making, but it's not astronomical, right?
2: Sure, of course, yeah.
1: Um, so, like, yeah. I, th- I think, like, as an Orc owner, I'm much more interested in the in the effects outside what has been announced. The only thing that would excite me here is the potential of um, crowdfunding. But I'd also very much be interested in what what my cut is. And how I can insert my brands and make my brands be the... I...
0: yeah. I I severely doubt that at least in the foreseeable future that that is going to be any type of possibility. Um my biggest concern, because a lot of that is predicated on Blizzard communicating this to large scale esports organizations, some of which have already been burned by Blizzard in the past, namely within the Overwatch League. Um is there good faith? Is there even like remotely normal amount of faith um that this will be a product worth investing in I I I really wonder. Um I, I really wonder whether or not they've been in contact with some of the biggest esports orgs to try to court them, or is that really just being fronted by the Saudi World Cup? Um, which,
1: I, I'm not I sure if
0: Blizzard would be
1: in contact, but like w- what I can confirm is that they are definitely talking. I'm not sure if it's Blizzard or if it's the third-party tournament. <laughs> sure, or this, it could be places, I, I suppose I have to, A, they have of course pitched that rough idea already to all the
0: prior owners. Um, in some i would imagine yeah that that seems like you have the foot in you have you know open channels to communicate to and they, but i can't imagine going to something like team liquid and being like so would you like to hear our owcs pitch and it's like no mm, yeah maybe not but maybe maybe
1: yeah i, I don't know maybe. who does the selling of you know that what I mean? right sure but, like i think some traditional esports organizations have been approached and I, I would are, imagine are are being courted, and there is a willingness to get those folks back on the table, because sure. a lot of like that's their crowdfunding in in some sense, because like the yeah. system just stemming then investment is yeah, it's it's unlikely to happen, but
0: yeah, it's my biggest concern there is that we've had. Evidence points in the past of Blizzard talking to orgs and not providing enough information or any information at all. And that concerns me when it comes to within a month's time having to make a decision of whether or not I want to sign a team. Or we just wait until a major, like I assume, and we just sign the best team, and we are guaranteed some exposure. We're guaranteed some kind of a return, right? Mm-hmm. As I- as these teams attempt to qualify, they will be teamless until it matters.
1: I would assume it's pretty high coverage of, like, at least the biggest teams, the most...
0: Hmm. I think I think teams will slow roll this. I think they want to slow roll this to get as much I, I information. Are, like I,
1: I I know some esports organizations are involved that you would say, huh? Who? Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially I European, I, bet I would.
0: Right? Like. Maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. So I'm we'll, not going to force juice, but yeah, that we can we can chat about that. But yeah, as it stands now, the details are pretty slim. As you know, again, the details that have been laid out means that roster locks are, you know, near not monthly, but, you know, February 29th is our first roster lock, followed by April 4th for stage two. And then the major um, rounds out the end of May, right? Like that's that's going to be the foreseeable future of what these organizations are targeting. Do we have enough information, at least from the public channel to to guess if these teams are going to be jumping the gun? My my opinion is they will roll this as long as possible. At least the big ones.
1: Yeah, maybe. I think. I think by the time this rolls around, we will at least have ten teams signed globally. Probably
2: more. Ten teams signed globally. Yeah,
0: probably more. And signed so... to like salary playing <laughs> paying. Right, 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 right not not 50k a year but you know getting being signed to a team making a salary yeah being you know being being signed um 10 10 globally i, I, I think yeah. that's that, is, that is
1: actually slow running it i think like i
0: know of 10 i would assume 20 20 wouldn't 20 would be pretty i'd be impressed if we got 20 and what do you? Where's where's the end date to that kind of a bet? Is that by the major, or is that by February twenty ninth? Mm, oh, that's the lock-in date, right? Um, Correct. That is the roster lock for stage one of NA. Well, EME, the problem is like
3: global.
0: it's a kind of a
1: gray area because I think there's a possibility where the contracts will not all be finagled out, and while they will already have been in contact with the team, sure. they will only start renaming by some. Later date when the competition is already going on, um, I think players will probably yeah yeah maybe maybe you want to wait at least for the I I think that's the
0: safest bet. You should probably do that as an organization. Yeah. To be fair, um, you you want to know as much about the crowdfunding as possible, even getting early viewership numbers. I don't doubt. I don't doubt that a team like Team Liquid, FlyQuest, some of the Riot brands. Some of the bigger endemic brands out in Asia all getting into contact with some of the best teams, you know, on paper. Putting out some verbal, you know, communication, maybe maybe some verbal agreements as viewership numbers come out, as more details around crowdfunding comes out, as more details around prize pool for the majors come out, as more details for the Saudi World Cup come out. All of that gets lubricated. All of that stuff starts to really start to churn along, and then by the major, that's where I would also like. That's where I think the ten to twenty teams globally really makes a lot of sense. Stage yeah. one for NAEMEA, ain't nobody getting signed except maybe Toronto. But I have for questions for them. Well. Nah, that's more. That's definitely you more. Think just for, for February. Ordered, by no, February twenty ninth, yeah. I okay. Know it's more. Okay. I know Interesting. That's more. more than I... nobody.
1: Yeah, for sure um okay
0: okay interesting i'm interested to hear and see that when it's announced (laughs)
2: uh let me let me do i
0: do i live react you live react okay is that a
1: who for you
0: that's not that's not a who i'm i'm familiar um we'll see we will see that's
2: interesting that that has that that if that's if that sets a tone for things okay we'll see we'll see
0: so yeah (laughs) and we will we will get to uh we not to completely leave uh viewers in the dark but we will get to some of the 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 rulings and the stuff and the rule books as we continue but as it stands for right now a prize pool is a little bit leaves a little bit to be desired it leaves me wanting a little bit, but uh, it, it could be enough with a lot of tertiary stuff, namely the Saudi World Cup. Any final thoughts there with the prize pool? Nope. OK, um, another pain point. A lot of this stuff has been is a regurgitation of the, the news drop that we got last week. Um, the, the big differences are the prize pool, the minor systems details around the format. One of the big ones that I feel like is going to be a pain point for the consumer is the ticket price um, towards the bottom as we go into the OWCS international events. There is a fine print that uh, I feel like many people will probably gloss over regarding the ticket and admission for DreamHack. Um, that website is quoted as saying to attend the OWCS major in person, please note that you'll need to purchase both one. A general admission badge and two a tournament specific ticket. This, if I'm understanding DreamHack's website correctly, is priced at about 160 to 170 dollars. That feels like a
2: lot.
1: I mean, if you're traveling Bye. to Dallas or Stockholm, right? Mm, yeah, but I, I just say, I watch. Think, I think the the premium tickets for IM that regularly sell-, sell out is more. It's like 250 I think. Sure. I,
0: I, that, that's where I just worry. IEM has a culture of having games that regularly charge people that kind of money to show up. We don't. Yeah. I, I That has me concerned. A quick way to alleviate the, that concern think- is to Package that maybe with the crowdfunding. So, I also a portion think of all ticket sales go into crowdfunding. I don't know. You're not just going
1: to Dreamhack for Overwatch alone. I think you're going there because it's like um a vast array of experiences in regards to gaming from cosplaying to a BYOC sure. to sure. seeing other esports to talking to content creators that will be there and like influencers. Like, it's much, much more an exhibition than it is an esports tournament.
0: That's, I, I agree with you there, but I feel like these two things are mutually exclusive, but are not being, not there, there is not a product to have mutual exclusivity. I do agree that DreamHack is about, like, is worth its weight to buy a ticket for, but if I'm not interested in DreamHack and I just want to go watch Overwatch, I have to buy a ticket to DreamHack. Yeah. Will people do that? likely are we pricing people out of just showing up to the first season of the owcs by nature of having to buy a Dreamhack ticket i think that's just an overwhelming yes no like it that seems to be kind of a hard ask for people to go hey i know our big billion dollar overwatch league just died but can you shell out some money that you've never done in the past to come watch the the spiritual successor for the thing that you like look there's no oh darn
1: from the th- like from last year, they really also aren't that many seats like from my like maybe they're they increasing them for for those two specific events, but i we had um we had a uh one of my bosses was at uh koping, okay, yeah. and I mean was pretty if limited. it's if it's two hundred people, it's much uh, around most uh okay. tournaments right. right i don't think this is a product that necessarily wants to be consumed offline um also fuck esports viewers you better shell out for some shit okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i mean i agree with that but as it stands right now with the public information that's out there and i think that there is a great way for them to bundle that into like some skins or participation to the crowdfunding like make it something that is enticive or enticing of Overwatch fans and Overwatch esports fans to want to go. If you have a ticket, you know, you get a bundle of some kind. Um, I think there's ways to alleviate that, and I agree. Esports fans need to start paying some goddamn money. I I, I think I would fight you on the point that this esport is best consumed I, I just, in a live. In, in
1: my mind, like if you're specifically like for american audiences the price that you drop on those tickets is a is like 10% of the travel cost you have probably um
0: for maybe depending are we looking at, at, at just travel and if i'm if i'm traveling in, like domestically
2: i don't i mean I for like dallas it's, it's a little though. different yeah
1: like it's wouldn't a round flight to stockholm i guess if you're in advance. Stockholm is pretty expensive as a city in terms of hotels. um Yeah, maybe. Oh it's yeah. 10%.
0: Internationally, a hundred percent. Like I agree with you there. Like that is a like if you're traveling internationally, then it, that that probably is the least of your concerns. But if I'm traveling domestically and I have to pay two hundred dollars to just go watch some Overwatch, if that's if that's all I want to do, and I don't really want to go to Dreamhack and I just want to go, I think those my people player, exist.
1: Like, and you got to farm the whales. If you're committed enough to fly out <laughs> yeah. to an event like this, you're probably fine paying those ticket prices.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, I don't I, think there is a don't... barrier
1: there that, like, especially if, if you only have, like, this is not going to be a 7,000 man arena,
0: right? I a 100%. It's definitely more limited. I just hope that. I would be interested to see how live attendance numbers look and, you know, what, what DreamHack has to say yeah, after I, the fact, after our first major.
1: Yeah, if you're going there, I, I can already tell you, you better enjoy the entire experience. I don't think you just... Oh, 100%. Get, yeah, get, Do, your get your money's
0: worth, 100%. Yeah,
1: get your value for um, for just, like, watching Overwatch there. I also th- yep. think there pl- will probably be plenty of time to explore uh, the rest of the expo um, yep. there. So. I don't know, like that. Generally speaking, even ESL ones are. What what was it like in in let's say even BlizzCon? Like how much yeah. con shit is actually happening? Can you get tattoos at BlizzCon?
0: Can Can you? What? Oh yeah, you can get like little. I there was an actual like t- there was a a stand. I think this last uh, BlizzCon, uh, most recent one, there was a a Diablo actual tattoo artist that would be like. Actual like ink tattoos, right? Um, in the past, there were like airbrushing stations for like the Dark Moon Fair to get like funny fairy. You know, there's stuff to do, but it's very casual. Was, was that the it, case? It's very at, IP based
1: at Overwatch Grand Finals.
0: Couldn't uh in the past, no. You, right. I remember for season one, it was you. There was like some fan interaction stuff. Eh. but there's not like a ton of activity it's it's i mean obviously the 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 big draw is the games and you show up for the games um season one obviously was the season where we had the best the, the very like traditional sports best of three of best of fives mm. so that was like a weird mix obviously you had like live music you know dj yeah. Khaled was there shouts god did um so there there's activities like that but it is very like content starved for sure. BlizzCon is a little bit better but it's also billed as a convention so there's musical artists, there's stuff to do, there's little collectibles, there's all kinds of, you know, there's 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 enough to see uh to fill two days. Uh, a lot of people bitch that it should be 3 days but let's be honest there's not enough to do. Um it, it, it they are pretty starved for content. I've never been to a Dreamhack, I can't necessarily comment. Um, but I would imagine that a lot of it is still like very, you know, culture focused around, you know, bringing your PC. That that's at least what I th- when I hear Dreamhack, I think of like the it's older like 2010. It's, it's you, you know you're bringing your PCs. You, everybody's on land. You're playing games with the 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 crowd from down the 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 not street but like row from you. You know you're you're making you're it's it's a it is kind of this like communal gathering point for gamers um, with a ton of other things going on. I just don't know how much that necessarily crosses with uh, at least our esports audience. So that is, maybe that is a a, a lenience towards your wondering if our fan base is even remotely interested, whether or not they're priced out is regardless of the fact that, you know, would you want to go to a dream hack? I don't know. I really, the Wonder.
1: Thing I'm wondering is like the other effect is also like if you're already at DreamHack and I think if I recall correctly that over forty thousand people pass through uh Yon Might be right. wrong. Um but it's reasonably close, to the to real number I think. Um like it would wouldn't it be cool for folks to just like walk by and catch some Overwatch and like maybe you know, have some experience of the excitement oh, there, and experience hundred percent. And I, th- I feel I'll... like that might—it's—it's it's framed as seating. That does not doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you can't, you know, watch on some screen and still catch a vibe there. Yeah. But yeah, I—I I think hopefully there's there's an experience there because like some people might catch the Overwatch. It's just watching the action. Uh, there. A hundred percent. Those those experiences and those. Um. Yeah, those, it is those customer marketing. experiences are much more effective than you know seeing a Twitch stream while scrolling mm-hmm. through the uh, category selection on Twitch.
0: I'll I'll take a page out of Adam Appel's book. I do think that you know the way that esports is trending and the way that DreamHack is being propped up. I don't particularly care for where the money comes from, but the the point still stands that having multiple esports under one big tent. It is a pretty fun experience. You do get to experience a lot of different things that you wouldn't normally get to maybe be exposed to. And that is a marketing tool that these developers can push. I I I hope we do see more of these.
1: I think very often it's not just a game match for you to be able to enjoy um, an eSport. It's also a a community vibe match. Mm -hmm. Like If you're tapping into an eSport that you do not even fuck with the game with but the k- people are kind of like your tribe and you it feels like you're yep. sort of aligned with them and their general uh outlook on things and how they have fun there i think that might just be enough to convince you that like yeah. there might be something maybe there maybe i should
0: be watching maybe i should be participating maybe i need to pick a you know a, a team or you know whatever
1: yeah if my group of friends starts watching golf fuck like i might just yeah.
0: I mean, this, this, I mean, I'll, I'll give a quick anecdote. I think this very, like, nearly happened with F1. A lot of, like, friends of mine got really big into F1 and they were like, oh, you got to check this out. You got to watch Drive to Survive. And I'm like, okay. Like, the marketing just works by word of mouth. And now I know about F1. Now I can name you a couple drivers and, like, I've seen bits and pieces and it's just like, oh, okay. This is interesting. Like, I, I might check this out. Mm -hmm. That's in a, in a smaller, very, condensed down version is what i feel like you're talking about with dreamhack and a lot of these older big tent esports uh formats let's yeah. call it
1: i like I'll, I'll say like that happens to me with call of duty i think the game is yeah. ass but the <laughs> the folks like surrounding it are just making like fun content and also yeah like have some bite to it that i enjoy yeah yeah
0: I uh, it's it's I feel like esports in general gets like that when any title gets towards their like world championship. Like every time TI's around. Why why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. I have friends Dota. that are into Dota and they'll talk about TI and it makes me want to check it out. Mm. Makes me interested. Same thing with COD, same thing with, you know, Wow Arena, whatever it is. Like if there's if there's somebody who's interested in it and is talking about it and it sounds at least remotely on my alley why wouldn't i yeah right and that's only more pushed on you in a live environment you're you're walking around you know maybe there's not a match on you want to go do something oh let's go check out starcraft i wonder what's up with that i haven't seen that in forever let's go like take a take a watch you know it's it is it can be very successful and i hope that we do return to it but we will We will see what the numbers look like at DreamHack. Um, hopefully there is some OWCS interest. and, and hopefully um, some people get some seats, and hopefully they had a good time. And if you do do that, let us know. Um, any any last thoughts there on the website. Anything no. else that feels pressing? No? All right. Get your rules, lawyers, hats on. We're diving into the rule book. We're getting into it. First things first. We have map bands. I really want to tweet this out because I know it will get engagement because I don't think very many people are talking about this. <laughs> we have map bans. That is a brand new
2: systematic change that is out.
0: Mm-hmm. What do we think?
1: That's kind of interesting, especially like I think someone pointed it out on YesCode is um, that there is no clause of like this might be subject to change. You no, know, there's no trial period for this at all. They're just like, fuck sure, it. yeah, send this is it. just
0: going to be a thing. Yeah, send it because that, because now the context there is that there are plenty of other instances in the rule book where it's like. The administration is, you know, within their rights to change the hero pool or change the the map order or change the uh, the game mode order at any point in time. But the vetoes is not like that at all. It's just. It is, and that's interesting because that's something that we've talked about and and debated for a long time, and it's just here. Deal with it.
1: Yeah, Um, I think. The important part, if you scroll down a little bit, Eric, is I think about the veto structure, right? Yes. Uh, maps and mode order for each match will be decided by veto, conducted on the FaceIt platform. This process will be conducted as stipulated in the below sections. And then it's um, every LAN event match, the highest CT must choose, blah blah blah. But the more interesting part is the, how, it, how it works. So basically, on map one selection, which will always be control, we do not have a mode selection. Uh, the modes are predetermined, which is uh, for, I think, the first one, uh, control hybrid escort. Yep. Um, and then, you know, um, in case of a tiebreaker, flashpoint. And the order of operation for the audio listeners is team A, bans one map from the available map pool and then team B bans one map and then team A selects map one okay and then B selects the side for map one
0: so we're not striking down okay let's look we're not striking down until there is a neutral map where just each team gets one ban and then team A decides from the pool right of the remaining two let's say control maps Let's say, for example, for audio listener's sake, um, Yiska's is team A, he bans Ilios. I'm team B, I ban Lijong. Yiska picks the map, I pick the side, we play the game. Right. And the remaining map pool being Nepal and Samoa. So,
1: in comparison to Overwatch League, um, oh, wait, I actually don't know this. Why do I not know this? I think there's what? a pre selection on the highest seed getting to choose if they want side or map selection, but I'm not sure. Is that
0: not only in playoffs, correct?
1: Could be the case, yeah.
0: And I then think that was only during playoffs and stage playoffs. And then uh,
1: they would just pick the map, and the correct. other side would just, you know, just choose, uh, choose the side they're playing on. Right, and that's, right. that was it, basically. Uh, yep. And then the the loser subsequently would choose... Uh, the next map now that's another thing I don't think that's coming out of this right? it's not loser pick like the losing part does not modulate who gets to pick and ban which is also a pretty big difference which sort of gets rid of the
0: um... it's not loser pick but you do trade off um, priority so map 1 for a what is this first to 2 um, during on map 1 for control team A is the first to ban uh, you go through the process you play the game on map 2 team B begins the map banning right. phase it's, it's a rotation it's apart.
1: not a Correct. selection uh-huh. yep. based on who won or lost the map so yep. they, they presumably did this to get rid of a little bit of the snowballing aspect so that the team got the, the map pick and therefore have a higher probability of coming back and sort of crept down on stomps didn't right. didn't work that well in 3 uh 3 Overwatch, <laughs> three zero, you know? Um, nope. Yep. I, I believe we held the 50% of all results being yeah. 3 zeros over the 6 seasons. So potential for uh, that to be just like Stompville.
0: Um Yeah, I, I definitely think that that could be an amendment to the rules instead of allowing each team to pick a map, which doesn't particularly because in map, for map one, Team B or Team A selects the map eventually, and Team B will select the map for the second phase. Which, if Team A wins, Team B is the loser anyways, and they'll get the map regardless. Um, I also I don't know
1: that. That's the interesting part is here that they will absolutely have to disclose. Or by pat, I guess they do not have to officially disclose this, but by pa- by pattern of by pattern recognition, it will be very easy to decide who has been given a higher seat by virtue of someone doing that by hand, right? Because oh yeah, if welcome, faces- welcome
0: to every other eSport, guys. Yeah. Welcome to. <laughs>
1: But right. usually, these other eSports have some, some rhyme or reason to it, at least eventually. We yeah, will have to start with Nothing. like absolutely preferential treatment, which they absolutely yep. should, because no, you are not Kefster, Okay, You should not have True. equal yeah. opportunity as Kevsta. okay? That's not how it' go. Like Kevsta yep. should not behave, shouldn't have to play, I don't know, against the proper team or whatever, right? Like that's, nope. that's not a thing that should happen in round one. That would suck and would destroy the final product. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting that it is rotation and it does favor the higher seat heavily, which is something that I actually welcome here because you do want much more than you want no stomps to happen. You want the higher seat to win generally when a lot of the quality of your tournaments in your 500 up to 512 team bracket. Depends on the best teams actually making it and not getting goofed on in a best of three. What what effectively is a best of three, right? So or first of two, whatever.
0: First two, best of three, first of four. It's all in there, guys. Look at it. Um another point of I mean, I think the Map Bands is definitely um a welcome change. I think this adds a lot of not only analysis point. <sighs> um it provides narrative it's points three
1: maps though how how deep is it is not that
0: it's deep. not and then i feel like that's the biggest and definitely the um most like sim- empathizable point um especially that we've heard from coaches in the past especially on this show um is having to prepare for all of these maps the more that i've heard from these teams the more that i i really doubt that that even uh tends to happen um, because everybody is just like herder i will just play exactly what everybody else plays and we'll just have to deal with it um this is one of those bullets that we were just going to have to bite a frog to eat for mark twain i think um and it, it's going to make a more compelling broadcast i'm sorry if the players and the coaches are are struggling with it wait, wait, um,
1: eric correct
2: there's no push what? is there no really? push they're
3: not? Wait. Oh, no, I thought I many... saw
2: a New Queen Street.
0: Really? I remember seeing New Queen Street. There's a map pool for it. Yeah, push. Coliseum, yeah, New Queen Street. But the first to two, control hybrid escort, first to three, control hybrid, push, flashpoint. Yeah, there's push.
1: But it goes to first to three instead of first to two. Yeah. Right? First yeah. to three. I mean, so, uh, is when does first to three start? During the uh the Swiss, right?
0: now that's a good question that's one we're going to have to figure out on uh, yeah I, to be
1: fair like that i feel like we're just as a
0: general caveat we only got to the rule book like you know
1: just before the show yeah we
0: this is this is a lot of like i we skimmed it to find some like big points that we wanted to bring up but, a little, but as we go through it like with our brains <laughs> a lot of questions are going to come up so bear with us as we kind of flip through this um because I'm also not sure when the. When, what systems happen when? Is oh. it a first to three until Swiss, like Yusuke said? I don't know.
1: Wait, the predetermined order played game modes for any Overwatch CS. Okay, so in first to three, pushes in yeah. and pushes also the tiebreaker. And then first to four, pushes also in. It is kind of interesting that. It pushes third in a first to three, but not at all in a first to two. Even though it would still be, if I guess they want escort to just like because it's the last mode in the um in the other formats, they want some yeah. frequency. There. Yeah, it's fair. I I think also um, escort is just like the most compelling with hybrid. Um,
0: can I? Can I? Interject with a minor tangent. Right? Can you can you bring up section six seventeen subsection one sub subsection one? I feel like these three bullet points are. I think they're interesting. Six seventeen one one. In every LAN event match, the higher seed seeded team must choose to act as either Team A or Team B. This oh, basically gives the higher seed to. Either pick first or pick second. Okay, yes. interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Subsection two in After any match conducted on. The
1: entire series, though. Correct. Right. Like you have, you have to strategize, and keep in mind, line matches may either be first to three or first to four. Right. So we don't. Your choice future. has to factor in all the future map types, and okay. I think like if you want to be team A or team B, that's the big decision.
0: Yeah. Um, in it, those I, it is situations. Yeah, I don't think now, you're
1: overreacting. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that's... as
0: we continue, it gets a little more funky. In mm-hmm. any match conducted on the face at platform, the higher seated team will automatically be assigned as Team A. That's pretty bog standard. Sure. Yeah. That, that's what we all assumed. It gets even funkier for any match without a higher seated team. Team A or B will be chosen at random. Mm-hmm. There's no good way of tackling that, but in in what universe do we not have a higher seeded team is that like
1: if i mean age one yeah day one or if teams that have never played on face on the face of platform play against each other
0: okay so it's it's a lot of like lower seeded stuff that probably will impact yes. you,
1: you gotta have some yeah okay. okay okay my bullshit right there like if they want this. to if they want to make it very squeaky clean they apply that to everyone, which would be absolute chaos and would actually actively sabotage the outcome of this entire year potentially. <laughs> the snowballing potential of having Caps yeah. that play proper team or whatever. I'm not even sure if they're on separate teams or I don't, I don't know anything. Okay. Um, but.
0: <laughs> You're like, oh no, I, could this be construed
1: as leaking? Oh no. Yeah, no. <laughs> you, know, you know, you guys know how I am to Russell leagues. Fuck that. Um, uh, but cool. the um, <clears throat> fuck, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the I, I heavily hope they will absolutely just go, oh, Overwatch League player? That's a top yeah. 20 seed, boy. Okay. Yeah. That's how it should be. Contenders player? Oh, that's a top 50. And then yep. the plebs should just like if if you're good enough, you will get to play one of these teams eventually, right? Mm-hmm. But you should especially in something like a first two two, you should absolutely not gamble on the Toronto Defiant flunking out in the group of five hundred twelve. You could argue that like the best teams should make it out. You could also argue that especially on patch shenanigans that sometimes happen, you are actually content cucking yourself by leaving it up to randomness, right? So, I would understand if you go in squeaky clean in stage one and then just take the elo and rank based on that going forward. I think that's a fine decision as well. That's very high competitive integrity. I think it makes work significantly
0: worse uh, entertainment product. Yeah, you want to have the the best competition, make it through, get to Swiss, and at least make a broadcast right uh, that you know if if then they get upset then that's something that the broadcast can run with but if you never get to see the the best players ever uh get upset then uh, were they ever there right trees in the woods um so yes we have map bands we have a map pool great awesome stuff to think about um patches up to the administration the administration namely probably I, is that determined in here anywhere what do we know what what? Obviously, they use like the legalese of like determining like the admins as the administration. But is the administration? Oh, here it is. Uh, the Overwatch League Championship Series, the program or OWCS, is a com competition circuit for the Overwatch League or for Overwatch, hosted by Blizzard ESL Fase Group and its affiliates collectively, the administration. <laughs> okay, so it's it's ESL Blizzard and and EFG whatever. Um that's that's the collective known as the administration the administration um, and then the capital a that shit is yeah. so creepy like <laughs> that's some cult shit right there yeah. um but yes we we have a bunch of stuff we have um some loose details regarding what patches being played on basically the ruling is whatever the fuck the administration tells you you're going to play on um hero pools uh is listed uh at section uh, 6, oh, subsection wait, 12. wait, I just saw this. All modes, skin enabled?
1: I'll say that again? <laughs> skins are enabled. Pog,
2: we love skins. That won't be a problem.
1: Interesting. I'm not sure what it was like before. I mean, I, I, I'm perfectly sure that teams just played their respective... Uh, Competitive skins, right? But like, yeah.
0: yeah. I'll, I will put on my, my Overwatch tinfoil hat and say, this is, is this not a like soft, the most soft admission that maybe top 500 will get a skin?
1: No, no. I I don't don't think think it's a tell. I think what it tells you
0: is that their KPIs are now sales bound. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. That too i think that's far more likely um but i will continue to cope that top performers will get some sort of gladiator achievement um another thing that you rightly uh kind of drew question to prior to the show and we did post in our uh, rules lawyer discord channel if you want to join that please join the discord thank you please uh is there's no definition of coaches yes literally doesn't i don't think it mentions it once Wait in the rules. Player must uh.
1: It does is is mentioned as uh, oh it is it is. I'm sorry. must be as coach in order to spectate the specific team view only. Spectators okay. must be locked uh to their associated team view.
0: That is the only time a a coach a coaches are mentioned in the rule book. If you control F coach, it that is the only mention of it is during spectating.
1: There's okay yeah.
0: So, so there is no rules regarding coaching. You don't need a coach. You don't have to have a coach. You can have 50 coaches if you want. Doesn't matter. There's no rules for it. That's
1: actually wild, by the way. Kinda. Especially this, if we're this kind is of court the easiest, team organizations. This is the easiest oversight and the shit you will see most shenanigans on. That's, that's like the, the first one that you have to point out because like all terms of competitive integrity in terms of coaching is like... Can folks coach multiple regions? Can you know what? Yeah. What kind of um. Like, is there a prize pool share? Because what what it sounds like here is that players directly will be receiving the, uh, prize pools. There's no stipulation mm-hmm. in organizations or coaches. In fact, right. It's just like a cut of those players will receive the prize pool directly. If I um. Yeah. You know, once again, he just flew over it. Um, so, there, that seems to be something... I mean, I, I understand, not assuming that we would be too many active coaches
0: um, at this stage, well, I mean, is, but is, is it, it should still have some, you know... Is it not... I mean, I agree that there probably isn't going to be a ton of active coaches at this stage, but if if we're going to, like... Have the conversation that at least by LAN, we will have up to, if not surpassing, 10 to 20 signed teams. I would imagine there's going to be some coaches. No? Is that crazy to say? I'm, I I. feel like it, it,
1: there will probably be. We already know that Kassaris is one of them, right? Right. There's
0: one, and we haven't even started playing. Yeah. So, And I can... Yeah. It's. It, it is weird, yeah it is bizarre right coaches aren't being listed that's really bizarre um i think that's to the extent of like big worries that the rule book has has driven to us as it stands now next are some questions that we are uh actively trying to pursue answers to um first off is team travel covered yeah yeah that's big that's big don't know i if it's mentioned in here i haven't spotted it just yet um but that is going to be a big one because uh as we've laid out from the past couple shows motherfuckers aren't getting paid 50k mm. or more than that um so is this going to be blizzard front end is this going to be team fronted don't know i saw eric jump to something do we have an answer um, it just outlines that you need to be able to
1: have travel documents. Uh,
2: okay. The only reference of
1: tra- to travel in the rulebook. Got it. Got it. Got it. If, if cons- I had to guess, I think there would be some stipend. That there would otherwise be no reason why you would limit it to eight teams only. If yeah, like would yeah, to. it would it would maybe um, would have to figure something out. But then just run. Single Elim with 18 teams... Sorry, with 16 teams, right? Um, mm mm-hmm. Even though that doesn't actually necessarily cut down too much on games. Don't uh, think of it. Yeah, but uh, then again, like, three days for 16 teams in a double Elim or single Elim bracket seems kind of possible, even though strenuous. Um, But, it, it, yeah, I, I feel like I hopefully... Think it's implied that they will receive some travel compensation? It might not. the The way this worked in the Overwatch League is that Blizzard gave teams that qualified a stipend that barely ever covered the entire travel cost, especially yeah. to a Y because that's not kind of expensive.
0: Yeah, it's not cheap, right? little well, expensive, guys. Yeah, 100%. Um, another thing that, uh, as I continue reading through it, I am still kind of worried about is uh reserved sponsorship categories uh sub or section five subsection three and subsection four as it stands as well um regarding to sponsors uh basically they list out a pretty extensive and exhaustive list of what sponsors you cannot have uh, pertaining to um any companies that are in active competition to uh Activision Blizzard or other affiliated that's games fair. companies, account shelling, sh- selling, sharing or trading yeah. websites, very fair. Alcoholic beverages. Yeah, that's um, also fair. Fair, but we're missing there. Uh no drugs, okay? Again, fair. Tobacco or vaping products. Whether
1: legal or illegal. I, I okay, you Americans <laughs> need to fill me in. Can I can I have coffee on my Can I drink coffee? Am I allowed to drink energy drinks?
0: That that is a great lawyer question. I don't know if the legal scope of the terminology of drug constitutes coffee, or sugar for that matter. Whether or not that is socially is up for debate, but I don't know that that is under the parameter.
1: What about like nicotine pills or something? Is that a drug? It's probably a drug.
0: I would imagine that's more drug than not.
2: Caffeine pills? I don't
0: know that one. That one is for the administration to uh, dole out. Uh, no cannabis, no pornography, no gambling, no daily fantasy sports, no firearms or weapons, no political candidates, no <laughs> religious products, services, no cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency exchanges. Oof, no XTX guys. Sorry about that. Uh, no NFTs, no artificial intelligence or machine learning, and or no illegal goods and services. So on top of that. There is also a pretty extensive uh, up to the administration um kind of uh, very broad scope of other restricted uh, platforms and sponsorship opportunities as well. So no or or it is up to the administration to deem whether or not video game platforms can be deemed a sponsor. the cat this category includes, Gaming consoles such as Sony PS5, Microsoft Xbox, as well as PC-based gaming platforms such as Valve Steam Deck and other dedicated video game platforms. Other eSports competition platforms. This includes competition platforms such as Faceit, WaraGG, and SmartStart.gg. Computer graphics cards, namely Intel, AMD, and NVIDIA. And automobile manufacturers, which could include Toyota, Ford, or Volkswagen. Now the final one is important because there are quite a few organizations that have automobile sponsorships, namely Team Liquid. I think is title sponsored by Honda, if I'm correct, or if I'm if memory serves. No idea. So again, not not surprising, but also different from the Overwatch League because we had quite a bit of cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency exchanges especially towards the end of the overwatch league um i think boston had an True. exchange no True. um i think florida had one at one point um that was kind of the one of the the final things that you could kind of get some money out of um i know that what gladiators on their way out got like a Doritos, which was like a a drink of some kind um that seems you know definitely above board but a lot of like very traditional esports sponsorships may not be permitted at the OWCS
1: yeah yeah i mean to be fair like oh. th- those specific are uh up to the administration to decide on right and that's sure, yes. like the the second category you mentioned of video game, game platforms, esports competition platforms, computer graphics cards, and automobile manufacturers is mainly to avoid, uh, like awkward run-ins with yeah. when, if the Overwatch uh, Championship Series was to be sponsored by I don't know BMW yeah. and then you have a Honda sponsor as a team and that makes it awkward, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: Uh, because this this is something that happened, and that is something that has very recently happened within regards to the context of the overwatch league um if I'm remembering correctly on the yard, I believe somebody was referencing um Ludwig's melee tournament who was title sponsored I want to say by toyota um which if if astute fans remember was also quite a big sponsor- was a big sponsor for the overwatch league for a little bit um Toyota's esports communication department um was in contact with the tos for the event basically being like well why does this tsm player have a gmc logo on there can't you just like mark it off the overwatch league did it so this is stuff that actively happens if you're not necessarily trying to look for it right um it's it, it does cause for some some weird um kerfuffles when you have brands and sponsors kind of uh Trampling over each other and and trying to, you know, one is a title sponsor, the other one is a team sponsor. How does that kind of coexist? Most of the time, I would imagine it doesn't, um, and that's why uh, black duct tape is very nice at esports events because you have to hide that stuff,
1: sometimes. especially around like the production headphones and like the, yep. the, 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 the paraphernalia. <laughs> nobody, nobody gets <laughs> any free
0: sponsorship, guys. So everybody's got to pay for airtime. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a little weird. Especially if we're trying to court some uh some traditional or you know, endemic esports org, let's put it that way. Um, so that's another interesting rule rule book finding. Um You know what's also the other...
1: what I was also thinking about?
0: Okay. I think Molly would have to name change, no. Molly? Maybe. I feel like you can articulate that to be just pretty normal. I I feel like and a very famous uh, name ban was, you know, fried wiener. um, Yeah. Cool, Matt. Big one. I don't think you can articulate that 69 is just, just so happens to be your favorite number. Yeah. Um, I think that's a little bit ubiquitous at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like you can, Molly skirts the edge and I think you probably get away with it.
1: Speaking of fried wiener, like you saw this video as well, but there was a random fried wiener signing in some, Korean YouTubers channel yeah. where he like randomly Fried Wiener was interviewed and apparently he's currently studying in South Korea at Yonsei which is like the elite university uh in Korea like if if, if that that boy says that to a Korean they will go "Oh really?" Like um so it's it's pretty interesting where some of those folks hey. ended up-
0: Motherfuckers can grind. They get to the gym. They start working on their studies, but you know, smoke
1: that loud pack and suddenly they're at elite universities.
0: They're, they're smoking loud packs and missing EMPs and they're at elite universities. Yeah, baby. That's, that's, hey, that's, that's our alumni right there. We, we, we claim Fried Wiener, okay?
1: 99 EMPs. FRD hits none of these. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else within the rule book that kind of caught your guys' eye? I, I, I do the the big uh question mark that we have is regarding the circuit point distribution allocation yeah. and potential capping not no zoomers i'm not talking about what if i'm lying or not um but as you know as teams maybe shuffle inter or cross region how do your circuit points uh help your team to qualify there is quite a bit of ruling regarding that and we will probably yeah those are elder clauses
1: okay you get rulebooked. Yeah, booked 100%. Like, that's, that's what happens. Okay.
0: No more who are you signing. No more fucking sniping motherfuckers from Korea to try and boost your land chances. There's quite like, a bit of hurdles to jump through. I, I
1: will say one one concern that was previously raised is around uh, residents. And I right. can say that seems to be pretty airtight. Um, so... If if Eric goes to the resident, resident uh, players, be it a citizen lower, or permanent. <laughs> I was about to <laughs> su- suggest uh, thinking of Resident Evil, um, oh, okay. or Resident Sleeper. Uh, resident players be a citizen or a permanent resident in a region within an OWCS. Thank you. <laughs> uh, give me give us a sec. Uh, uh, in an WCS el- eligible jurisdiction in which your team is competing, resident players may only compete in one eligible jurisdiction per stage at a time. Eligible jurisdictions are established, blah, blah, blah. Th- those jurisdictions, okay, the ones you would expect, uh, since yep. the. uh like China and stuff like this, also Australia. Then, non... Wait. No, I think Australia might be one of the eligible... Whatever. The important point comes here. Non-resident players, not to be a resident or permanent resident in a region within an OWCS eligible jurisdiction in which your team is competing. Non-permanent residents, visa holders, that reside in a region within the eligible jurisdiction... In which your team is competing are also considered non-resident players non-resident players may only compete in one eligible jurisdiction per stage at a time eligible jurisdictions are established in 2.1.5 okay so this effectively means if you're trying to game the system by already having a player here and saying that guy's like you know has a residence here now look at this this isn't his address. His wife already moved in, that's a no go. Okay. If you're just a visa holder and not like a do not have the citizenship, I wonder if a green card would apply, which by the way, none of the Overwatch players will ever get for, just for their career there. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it basically closes that loophole that people found and yeah. therefore really hard enforces the region lock. Uh, yeah. Which means, like, it will be hard maxed at two uh, of the four uh, of of the um, of the actual active rosters, not just the starting roster.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. So that's. Am I
0: crazy? Because you, you you quoted it as like an Albert clause, right? Like, you want to try to, like, get out. You want to try to make these rules as airtight to not have anybody, you know, weaponizing the rule set to their competitive advantage, right. which I respect those people, okay? If you're going to read the rule book and you find an advantage to leverage, you fucking get after it, okay? Now, am I crazy? Or does the timeline of, of events, especially with what he was quoted or or screen capped, um. does that not contradict itself and does that not point towards maybe mm. some of its of the first public feedback being implemented into the rulebook
1: i don't know i i think the problem is the ambiguity of the term resident um, sure that sure even in common parlance might have very different meanings i yeah. feel like resident um in english can both refer to someone with a permanent residence or just someone that or resides just... somewhere right sure that too um so that that ambiguity invited some rule gaming i feel like any self-respecting rule maker kind of saw this uh uh-huh. um and like the fact that it is in there now probably suggests that it was always going to like the spirit of the rule was always going to be this. Um, I don't think they will would add something this quickly to this. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I think the mere fact that we get to see these and like crowdsource uh, edge cases where basically like we we as a society come together in order to make Alba's job as Hard as possible. Okay, that's ideally. Um, that's basically what's going on. So the yeah. the rule gaming is actually kept down to a minimum. I still have to like it, yeah. really wrap my head around the edge cases of particularly the the circuit point rules. And by the yes. way, we did not mention this, but one thing I like about the circuit rules uh, circuit points is that they escalate in relevance. So if you look at sure, the point sure. uh, distribution, I think it's very a very good choice to say the first one stage is fit, worth 50 points, and stage four is worth 150 points. Not only does that make stage four more exciting and does not, you know, produce results where the eventual tournament winner will probably have no chance in ever qualifying, but it also makes it so that you have a selection that has recency bias. Here, the good kind of recency bias because you do not want a team that dominated Stage 1 and Stage 2, your meta changes, and then Stage 3 and 4, they are complete ass. Those guys to go to the Global Finals, you want the most recently dominant team, maybe one that's dominated Stage 3 and Stage 4 rather than 1 and 2, to Mm -hmm. be privileged in their qualification as... That is the best proxy for a good tournament performance and for making your international finals, your champ- championship, to be of the highest quality.
0: I I think there is a lot of discourse regarding uh, this in other esports. I would echo a lot of your points that to... If we rewrite the World finals as the, you know, ultimate test of who is the best team at the moment, um which I feel like is a accurate representation of what's going on most of the time. Um, then you want the best representation of the most recent set of play, not the farthest from it, right? Um, so looking at stage one, um, what I would really hate is if a stage one win resulted in an automatic birth into the global finals that would suck why would that suck because esports changes at a fucking rapid pace yeah the stage one team very likely will not have the same level of skill in six months yes just isn't going to be the case right so this is the most accurate way to have the most you know highest level competition as possible will it be bulletproof no is it the best system it's pretty close i'd say Another thing that I think I you, you know we we kind of loosely touched on was the fact that the circuit points are awarded at an on an individual basis, meaning there will be no shenanigans try of teams trying to sell their slots, mm-hmm. which is again, not a bad thing. They're getting they're getting ahead of a lot of uh, potential fuckery.
1: Yeah, I, ju- I still have to wrap my head around the specific clauses and. In- in the aggregation, specific aggregation in terms yes. of transfers, I think that's that's a technicality that will maybe matter somewhere along the line. But I still have my rep, uh, have to have, uh, wrap my head around the actual use cases of this. What is very important to to know is that circuit points do not transfer between regions. Yes, so I cannot go to uh, EMEA farms stage one to three. And then try to get, or rather, I guess, like I cannot farm Korea for stage one, two, three, yeah. then go to EMAA, presumably because it's a, an easier uh, qualification. Also, because you have three slots, right? Yep. So, like the, those trans- points are non transferable across regions. And I would argue they would be. Unfortunately, that also in many cases will doom some players to not be... I I actually would have to... Maybe that's wrong. I would have to look at the practical cases of what actually constitutes likely qualification because um, it's very possible that you might just say, okay, because of the escalation of points... Fuck it! Like if I didn't play stage one, stage two in NA, that's not too bad because if I transfer to stage in stage three to and uh, play stage four as well for this North American team, I it's fine to start from scratch because the likely distribution of teams in the top three slots, they're not likely to be far too far away for me to. Have any chance of qualifying? Even though it will definitely put some heavy decisions making on on teams that um, would want to improve their performance in the second half. So yeah. I think there's there's ample incentive to not slack off too hard because the escalation of points. Yes, it's three x but I mean at, at the highest level, that the, the differentiation between like first and second is not that large as to not make that an issue on uh, of yep. missing out on the first half yeah um, it also comes down to how much switching generally will happen across all teams and if basically like what's what will the point threshold of qualification turn out to be yeah like what's the average needed and for instance if you have a wide distribution of results already in stage one and two say one team wins stage one, but then doesn't even qualify for stage two, Yeah, it, it forces the average down also if that happens to a couple of teams uh, in the top three, and therefore it becomes much more feasible to transfer. So there's some practicality element, or practical element to it, where you actually have to check against uh, the actual expression of what the, uh, the, you know, the competition will take and therefore make the call on potential transfers. Even though we're talking some mad shit about t- transfers being possible and everything, still sort oh, of, yeah. like, high on our Overwatch League fumes, I think this will be much less possible uh, than it was in the future, in the past, going forward. especially like, Justifying, Possibly. like, a visa for only, like, what might turn out to be three months. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all of this
0: is rough. So, we'll see uh, how that turns out, but... Yeah. And, to, and again, to narrow that window down, you're only really competing um, per the website. Uh, it's quoted as saying at the end of the stage two main event, the tournament winners in NA and EMEA alongside the top two remaining teams by points in NA and EMEA will earn a spot in the OWCS major dream major in da- DreamHack hack Dallas. Holy. Uh, at the conclusion of the stage four main event this same process will determine our DreamHack stockholm attendees with stage one two three and four results factoring into a team's qualification so there are very few teams qualifying strictly by points and it would require like you said quite a bit of capital to try to leverage that in their advance in in their favor um you know yeah. it's never stopped people in the past and if uh you know there's some uh big capital gamers thrown around then you know maybe that's a poss- more of a possibility than we're assuming you know look, if if motherfuckers are out here getting stipends then who knows look, look like
1: what what eric is saying is also a good point is you do not necessarily have to travel you could pay on ping right like like that's a possibility that's right yeah um it wouldn't be a great possibility and it would speak a lot if you could upgrade by taking what I presume to be not a, an S-tier Korean, because I think those will be signed, but like a, an A-tier Korean, slot that guy in on 200 ping and be better than your best joints in the North American region. That would speak yeah. some volume. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think that there is... It's definitely possible for folks to do that, and... I do not think the system should accommodate. I probably will. Maybe we will have, you know, ping settings and whatnot once again. Um, But uh, that's, by the way, hey, that's not in the rules. What is it? Can can you can you uh, look up latency or?
0: Oh yeah, seeing if there's any ruling on ping. Playing from
1: a ping would probably not be with the word. It would be latency, right?
0: Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. So like, like, cursory search does not include this. So the respective ping region is not defined in the rule set, or who sets the location of the server, which even in intercontinental um, competition in NA, to my understanding matters a lot right like if you're a west yeah. coast team and you're playing an east coast team where the server is is pretty important so all all those matters of latency have not been named in the rules now maybe that's whatever software assist server host all matches be, will be played on the applicable region listed below north america all matches will be played in usa central oh okay it is mentioned okay sweet um, all matches will be played in the game Netherlands. That's actually a big, yeah. it's a big deal
2: for it's Europe deal. for sure.
3: Yeah.
1: So this central is awful for Korea, for instance. Oh yeah. Um, Netherlands is not great for. It's not too bad, to be fair. But yeah, that usually like for, for NA viewers, there's usually some separation between Eastern European servers. Uh most Central U- European servers will either be Netherlands or Frankfurt. Um and then there would also be some more Middle Eastern-ish servers. Uh I'm actually not sure where that location would be. But I, I think they also very frequently play. But famously, for instance, uh League of Legends had like the uh U West and U North Northeast, I think, uh separation for a long time. Getting like all the Eastern European states and uh also northern uh in there to to uh, allow for better king regions. Um I'm not sure if this I think they got rid of this now. But okay, so we have figured that out. Um they do not say that they will normalize for that particular ping region, so location might matter a lot. Uh, you would, it definitely advantages if, if there is no ping normalization, right? No. Um, then being a Texan team is actually not that bad. We're good.
0: Way, right. <laughs> And it's and it. We know that Blizzard has the ping stabilization tool, but will that be uh, doled out to everybody? I know that the um, uh, the tournament realm type of verbiage is used a little bit in the rules, um, which means that at some point, um, face it, an EFG may um, ask players to participate on the tournament client. Um, and give access, so that's also a, a, an interesting point. Um, yeah, as we as we go through the rule set, we will definitely be um, talking about this stuff, because we have it, we might as well weaponize it, and try to make this the best product possible, um, through nothing else but sheer uh, nerd power maximized just try to find the, the loopholes and make them blow them up as big as we can, right?
1: Yeah. Also, like I just saw, like, okay, your account needs to be in good standing. That's also one ru- uh, rule stipulation, right? Uh, sure. Proper, proper posted on Twitter that he's been banned. Did you just get banned? Yeah. Of course, <laughs> like, it's, it's very, very likely to be just mass reporting because this guy actually is a living cheat code. Um, so I hope this gets resolved, but yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. We Let's speak. hope for the best that this is cleared up before before any of this <laughs> hits the ground. Keep in mind Um Oh 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 WCS starts in South Korea in two weeks, right? So
0: Yep. So that's gotta get pretty quickly remedied because their roster lock probably has to be even sooner than that, right? Yes. Yeah, so, Godspeed, proper. Godspeed. Um, anything coming down the pipeline as we wrap up? No, it's just same old, same old. Um
1: oh, yeah. Friend of the show, Baroy tweeted appealing as a side job if you're not concerned about income. About the... Uh,
0: I mean, uh, it's not a lot of money. That's why I'm concerned about the, the, the teams kind of slow rolling things and not a lot of teams being interested. But you do you do have some evidence points that, that combats me, but we'll see.
2: We will see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but nothing really like that I would point out at this
0: stage to come down the pike. Uh we'll see. Alright. Beautiful. In the meantime. Enjoy some overwatch. Get ready. February. Gonna get some competitive action once again. First season of the OWCS. Um, in the meantime, I will probably be playing Stormgate and playing a shitload of World of Warcraft as phase two is right around the corner.
1: When it, when does it um
0: launch? uh phase two for season of discovery launches February eighth. Oh so, damn. about a week. Yeah, a lot of new changes, a lot of very good changes. I have never been so happy at How good the is World, World of Warcraft at moment. Um, I can send you some links. The Druid's very good now, and probably will continue to be. Nice. So, you're a Druid player. Shout outs. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm so over Pal Pal World. It's not funny. Um, but yeah, that's it. 3:31 in the bag. We will see you next week with hopefully um some maybe new more news. We can just keep getting very lucky with news drops. So maybe we'll have more news for you who knows. Until then,
2: Godspeed, proper. Peace.